Hey guys, um, I was a bit confused about whether I wanted to do this or not, but I want to dedicate this episode to someone who showed me the importance of music. And um, without him, I don't believe this podcast would exist. Um, so I just want to say, RIP Granddad, he was a DJ called Count Roy. And he used to DJ all over the UK, Jamaica, all these types of places. So it's with that that I play a song that he got shouted out on. And with that, I say thank you for the gift of music. I hope you're all staying safe and hope you enjoyed the episode. Count Roy, pick up yourself. 1972, you build a sound now. No count raw, you know, and dream because you love Jamaica still. The land you love. Sing. of Don't Look at the Stands. You're here today with your host, Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Chopin. And it has been, well, it's the second recording since we tried to record this before um, under quarantine. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm good, man. I'm really good. Um, I think the weather being hot now and more sunny um, has made me like more productive this week. And I think it's helping me to get used to this situation as well, because when I take walks and stuff, it's lighter, it's brighter, there are more people doing things, even if it's just exercising or riding their bikes and stuff, it feels a bit more like people are coping with this better, so it makes me feel better and it just gives me a bit more uh, motivation, motivation to get through this time. Um, mu- good music was released this week as well, which was great to kind of get into and try to digest. I'm just happy that I'm healthy right now, my family are healthy right now as well. Good. What about you guys? I was going to say same old, same old, but I guess people out there don't know how I am, especially because I don't tweet or anything. I'm well, life goes on. Um, I don't know what to say, really, you know, that's it. <laughs> um, my week has been, as most people probably know, fairly difficult. Um, I am still adapting to things that are going on. So in case listeners don't know, I did lose my grandfather this week um, and my family are kind of like adapting to that at the moment. Um, it's weird whilst you're under quarantine and everything's going on but hopefully if there's someone who's listening to this who's currently going through something similar it it does get easier but there is one thing that i plan on using to help me get through the things um so alex reese from the podcast time to talk introduced me to this app which is a meditation app similar to calm similar to headspace and it's called maya what's interesting about maya is it actually uses music to help guide people through meditation it has so many different options to it. Um, and to be honest, this is starting to sound like an ad. So if you get like a hundred people that suddenly just sign on, you owe me a bag. I'm not even joking. Um, but like it's got music, it's got mind, it's got life. It's got so many things that can kind of help you get through your individual thing. Um, and I would definitely recommend that to someone who is either struggling with um, being under quarantine or maybe something has happened in your life that has kind of triggered you or something that's 
you're kind of struggling with at the moment. But life in quarantine has been fairly interesting. I've changed my room around and I'm trying to adapt to the new situation. I started a new podcast. Um, so I started a new podcast called And With Tech and it is me with a few guests from different industries talking about technology, um, introducing people to um, one side of technology they might not have considered. Um, and it's not the aim isn't to necessarily convert people into using technology. The aim is to just make sure they're informed so they can make a decision from there rather than just being scared of technology and not receiving um, the right sources. So, yeah, I've been very busy, <laughs> very, very busy. But yeah, same old, same old. So I reminisced on some her this week. She did an IG live conversation with Chloe and Hallie this week. That was really I only called it like the last ten minutes, but it was an interesting conversation. And towards the end of it, she started playing um facts from her first DP, and I haven't heard that in a very long time. So I remember I kind of went to bed listening to some of her songs, and I inspired me thinking that she and I still stand like this. She needs to go away for like a good year and a half. I'm putting her in the Chris Brown and Drake category. She needs to leave me alone for like an hour, and a, a year and a half. Like go away. Like the album can wait. Oh leave me alone. Go away. I think she's. Verging on the point of overexposure, like you're always on the road, you're always dropping a single here and there. Still stand by that. However, I do love her. I'm a great, a huge fan of hers. Obviously very talented. I've seen her twice. Very happy for her success. So I've, I've revisited some of her songs and um, it just reminded me that she is truly uh, one of the best R&B artists we have right now. And she's just like a credible songwriter. I love how sweet her voice is and I just love how cohesive her projects have been. I know Nick is going to say that it hasn't been the same since volume one and that's fine. We're allowed to have that. But the other EPs have been good too, but I just feel like there's been a, people just kind of like a bit inundated with her releasing a lot of music in quick succession while we're still waiting for the debut album in bird commas. But I really would recommend all her projects like, and I've been listening to them the last few days, but um. Just want to shout out a few songs. Uh, Losing, that's from Volume 1. You, that's from Volume 1. And that's actually the song that turned me into a fan. Like, when I first heard the EP for the first time, this was the song. Like, okay, cool. Yep, this is the girl. All right, I see what you niggas are saying. All right, that's the one. That's the one. And uh, Take You There, that's from I Used to Know Her Part 2. That's a song that really doesn't get spoken about much. Um, That was a really, 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 really great song. And then... She just dropped another song about a month ago called Comfortable. So, yeah. So, I've been getting back into my her bag. And, you know. But, um, please, go away for, an, for a year and a half. Please. Nothing. No to- no tours. No nothing. No virtual nothing. Please. <laughs> please. No tours. No tours. Thanks. But I love you. Um, secondly, we have um, the second lead vocalist of Destiny's Child, Kelly Rowland. Um, as we all know, she dropped a single coffee last friday last week and um i've been playing this a lot this week i really like it like you know i'm disappointed that it's you know two minutes you know could have been a lot longer we could have had a bridge you know something you know or an extra chorus you know some ad libs but i like it it's cool um I, i've always said that regardless of my issues with kelly Rowland and the way she rolls out her music the, the music itself has never been an issue for me so i'm very much excited for this fifth album that has been in the works for seven years at this point. And I'm confident that it will be probably one of her best projects because if she's taken this much time with it, it's probably for a reason. So yeah, Coffee was a nice little teaser. It was written by Sid from the internet, who you all know I love. I love the internet, solo and together. So um, that was cool. And I hope Sid has worked on a few more songs together. I hope it's not just that because Sid's a great songwriter. And I think 
Kelly's voiceover a Sid internet kind of vibe would be really cool. So hopefully they've done more work together for this upcoming album. And just to kind of interject, sorry, but um, Sid is working on a new project. Um, she said she was, well, the internet said she was working on it from, I think, February or March. Um, so we can kind of, ex- if this is the sound she's kind of um, producing for Kelly, we can kind of expect a good project coming soon. I have no doubt that Sid, Sid the internet, regardless, like Sid, Steve, uh, Matt Martians, Patrick, all of them are incredible. Like, all their solo albums are amazing. So I don't doubt that Sid's next album will be just as good as her first album. I love, like, I understand. Like, Nick knows. I love them all. I love them. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Omarion's Can You Hear Me? This came out like a while ago, but after his uh, photo shoot with Pre Magazine went viral, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, let me go play that. Let me go play that again. It's a nice little song featuring T-Pain. It's not the greatest song you hear in the world, but it's a nice bop. You know, you know we like ignorant music from time to time. It's a nice song. So I was trying to say on that, really. And uh, I was going to take this time to say that uh, you niggas paid Amarian's first four albums dust. Like, he's given us a lot of great music over the years, but you just weren't buying it. You weren't listening to it, aside from a few songs here and there. Amarian deserves more respect. I just want to, just want to say that. You don't think that. a lot of people give love to O? Because I think no. a lot of people love O. Really? No, I mean, obviously people loved O and Touch and Icebox and Entourage, but I mean, like, when we talk about, you know, Chris Brown and Neo and Trey songs, we never really put Amari in that conversation. And I understand why he hasn't been as successful as them, but Amari, like, the albums are good. Like, the O album was great. The 21 album was great. Illusion, we don't acknowledge that. That was a terrible album. Don't know what that was. Yeah, sorry, Speeding fans. That song can go to. Sorry. I love Speeding. Speeding oh, no, is my favorite no, Mario song. No, I love that no, song. No, no, that can go in the recycle bin. Should have been stayed on the laptop. Um, the <laughs> Sex Playlist is last album. That was a really good album. A really good album. And it just, all you niggas wanted to, uh, post to be. Like, that wasn't even, ugh, it's just, no, the album was fire. It was really, really great <laughs> songs in there. And he's dropped some mixtapes over the last, like, five years, too, which have been really great, too, but no one was listening to them. So I just want to say that Amara deserves more respect. You know, if his can't give him respect, I think we should, at least. Um, next up. <laughs> so actually, well, this actually kind of leads on their family in some ways. Jenny Aiko. So when I was um, having my, my revisit to her catalogue, I remembered that Herb is actually on Jenny Aiko's latest album, which I have said on Twitter, not mine, I didn't tweet, but the group account that um her new album was was a snooze first and it is i stand by that it's, it's her worst album um which is a shame to me because i love her i think she's been a very consistent artist over these last almost 10 years and you know the mother of all r&b but this album was a snooze first i'm so sorry however there were like five or six songs which have really resonated with my spirit uh one way street trying to smoke bs featuring her pussy fairy which you know Never judge a book by a song title. Never judge a song by this title. Because I thought, when I saw the title, I like, what the hell is this going to be? Jenna, we don't want this. Mm. But it's a great song. It's a great slow jam. It's a great, great song. And I'm sure people out there can relate for those of you who are sexist right now. Um, anyway. <laughs> and lastly, Happiness Over Everything, which is kind of like a, some, I guess, a sample or a cover of Poe from her very first mixtape, Sailing Souls, featuring Miguel. She's now put on the, the king of Toxic Maxillity feature on the song. I don't know why we didn't need him on the song, but that's fine. It's a great song anyway. 
And um, I'm going to skip these this next one. I feel like I'm talking for too long now. But I'm just going to end this. It was Tiana Major. She's great. Stream her. She's amazing. Anyway, that's what I was going to say. But lastly, uh, going to get into Michael Jackson. So we're going to get into this later anyway. The Teddy Riley versus Babyface conversation. And um, so he, pl- he played, obviously, Remember the Time and Jam. But for those who aren't actually aware, he actually produced majority of the Dangerous album. 1991, most of that. When you say he's shopping, can you just Teddy clarify Riley. who you're talking about? Yeah, okay. Teddy Riley, yeah, Babyface only produced one song for Michael, unfortunately. They never really did other work together, unfortunately. They should have. But um, Teddy Riley produced majority of the Dangerous album, and I, w- I was playing that after the battle, and there was one song on there which he didn't play because it wasn't a single, but called Can't Let Her Get Away. That is a tune. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> they did that shit. I was like, I have not heard this song in so long. I've and I just play. I've been playing Dangerous the whole album in general. Like it's a great album, and um, yeah. So can't let it get away. I want to special shout out that song because that was one of my favorite songs in the album. Teddy Riley helms that, and I just want to say this also that all of you, all of you listening, I need you all to get into Michael's albums. Albums. Yes, we all know the hits. We all know the singles. And I'm saying this because a lot of you, a lot of you do this thing where you try and put Michael in these versus legendary battles. But I know you don't have the range to have the conversation to why you're saying it, and that's fine. But I need you to get into the here that lies in between the albums. Yes, Rock With You was great, but so were, so was um, Baby Be Mine. So was I Can't Help It. There were, uh, so was Unbreakable. The Invincible album. That album in particular, you <laughs> niggas did not hear that album. That is one of the most <laughs> underrated albums. It is a travesty that no one talks about that album. The Invincible mm-hmm. album is incredible. The History album is incredible, but no one talks about it. So all of you, uh, Michael Jackson's better this person, uh, 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 this person, have the range. Do your research. <laughs> what isn't it called this? Shop A Radio. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so those are my listens. Her, Calendria Roland, secondly vocalist, Amarion, Ginny Aiko, Michael Jackson. And a special shout out to Tiana Major, who I didn't go into detail on, but basically she's everything. She's lit. Love her. Can't wait for the album. Cool. Um, Nick, do you want to go next or should I? Go next. Go next. Okay, cool. Um, so I went back in time for my listens and some of them, well, the majority of them are based in the UK. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of um, slow R&B um, at the moment. And I went back in time. Well, I didn't go back in time, but some of these artists kind of were UK artists that were coming up in the past and then disappeared for a bit and then kind of just like have come to the forefront again so the first one is jay warner he created an album called figure eight and before this um you'd kind of see jay warner more in the credits than you would on like a song for example he does do features like he featured on a crepton conan song which i can't remember um, and a wretch 3-2 song as well and he does kind of mingle in those circles but he's more of a a writer slash backing vocals for most people like Mahalia um he was backing vocals for one of her songs on her latest project really? I believe yeah he was um and for some reason he reminds me of like I know in terms of accolades it won't be the same but he reminds me of what James Fauntleroy and the way he kind of navigates his career in the US but kind of the UK version in, in a way so he writes for artists um he has a particular type of sound that he he likes to orchestrate and then he will release his own projects here and there. Like he had a project in 2015 and now he's got one in 2020, for example. And Figure Eight for me is a very, very beautiful project. Very beautiful, very vibrant, very um, soulful. And I feel like 
it's it's the opportunity for people to really get into who he is as an artist because he's had two projects and both of them slap like i haven't really played the first one that much but i liked what i heard when i played it like as a glimpse um but figure eight is where it's at because i don't know a song on this that i don't like it's honestly a really really comforting album and my favorite song on that is if i said well other than that is why you lying um and strawberry moon also low love is a beautiful song as well it features an artist called laura roy um incredible incredible album and i definitely recommend him to people he's one of those people you can tell it's craft over recognition over fame he really wants to put out a project that um reflects um study and you can tell that he's interested in like the motown greats and all these types of people he pays attention to music um so i definitely recommend this project and the effort definitely shows um next we're going to talk about someone else um who was in the uk scene and was quite big for a while um on the kind of the underground and um came back to the forefront again so this is cleo soul with rose in the dark and just to talk about cleo soul's kind of career quickly cleo soul became um, well known on a channel called sbtv um and american audiences might not know what that is um it is a uk-based channel um it's owned by jamal edwards and its focus was to introduce people to new artists and some of those new artists include ed sheeran um jesse j jesse ware um Dave, oh, jesse Ske- ware. i swear jesse ware jesse ware had a few songs in sbtv no but she was already signed but she it wasn't discovery for her it was uh, when she went on it it was just promo she wasn't discovered on sbtv Oh, okay, my bad. Um, well, there's quite a few people that are quite big right now. Um, and Leanne Lahavas, TV. Leanne Lahavas, yeah, exactly. Um, and she came up on this, and she was kind of like a dark horse. She was always kind of in the background of a lot of people. Like if you spoke about Cleo Soul, people would know who she is. Um, but if you go to like wider demographics who weren't in tune to like the internet with like SBTV and stuff, they might not know who she is. Um, which is why I'm so happy that she came back. Um, she made this album, and it was produced by inflow who also produced um kiwanuka's album self-titled album um kiwanuka and um sorry michael kiwanuka um and also um little sims uh gray area yeah gray area um which are two very very different projects from this one so gray area was kind of gritty it's kind of um if you think about songs like venom for example they're kind of like it requires someone to actually spit over the the production on rose in the dark is very sensual it's very motown inspired live instrumentals um it's a very very beautiful project and inflow is a producer that we should look out for um i know we've seen little sims teasing a new project recently and i really hope it's executively and produced by inflow because he seems like he knows exactly what he's doing another person like jay warner who's interested in craft live instruments on um most of these artists work really really well i listened to that K- kiwanuka album um i can't Michael say i know Kiwanuka. it that <laughs> what what did i say keep saying kiwanuka say his whole name <laughs> no the album's called kiwanuka oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah his the album is called kiwanuka oh okay okay uh, yeah um so i listened to that kiwanuka album and um Although I can't say I, I can like recall songs on it, it was a very beautiful project and I wasn't like entranced by most of the songs on there. So I definitely recommend um, Cleo Soul's project. There are loads of songs on that. Too many to name um, rather than like criticize. 
and it's one of those albums that make you want to go to a concert by her like it's i can imagine being in there it reminded me of when i went to go see snow allegra um and all of her songs like i was like oh i remember when i was listening to this at this place at this place at this place it's one of those albums that sits with you you can sit and read and enjoy something whilst listening to this um and then lastly we're going to go to the states so hopeless romantic sorry um and nick pointed out she released this on valentine's day um and it kind of shows the angle that she was going through with this so tink was an artist that was previously signed by timberland um, and that didn't really work that format didn't really work she came to the forefront with three projects no one project sorry i can't remember uh, sorry i can't remember off the top of my head how many projects it was but winter diaries is kind of the staple mixtape for um tink she's gone from one to four so winter diaries 2 was the one that most people seem to enjoy that's the one i was kind of introduced to her on and then she kind of released a few songs here and there but timberland admits he didn't know what to do with her um but hopeless romantic is like the tink that i've always wanted it's the perfect balance of singing and rapping um as she does both effortlessly um and kind of equally well um but she marries it well in this project you can see that she's definitely gone back to her roots of um the type of song she wants to make it's kind of like keisha cole but i i like to describe it as like keisha cole and lauren hill combined it's over beautiful production and um off the top of my head i'm trying to think of which songs to recommend um but what i'll do is i'll put it in the description or i'll just tweet it so that's at d-a-t-s-p-o-d -D. cool that's me so um i've been listening to i'd say two projects this week um that have kind of dominated uh, i've listened to other stuff but these kind of grabbed my attention the most um and i'll start with buddy and kent jams now kent jams is a long time collaborator with buddy in terms of his projects in terms of singles he's been pretty much um on a lot of the um, buddy projects and mixtapes to date He's also done productions for BJ the Chicago Kids, Little Sims in the UK. Um, yeah, loads of Little Sims there, loads of audio push. Um, yeah, he's definitely been about King Laws. Like he's definitely emerging as a hip hop producer to watch. Um, but this project, uh, which is called Jank Tape Volume 1, kind of blends the two together and makes them both the main artist. Now, Kent Jam still kind of focuses on the production here, but uh, he's just being credited at a higher token um, with Buddy as the main kind of um, entertainer on the track. So throughout the main songs, Buddy is the one spitting. There are no features, if I'm not mistaken, um, but it's 10 songs long, 27 minutes uh, in length. And I think Buddy, again, displays so much diversity on this project, I think. With Kent Jams, he can kind of do these productions which are akin to like a Kenny beat um, and in that kind of trap arena and um, 808s blasting, all of that. But then he can take it really refined and really slowed down to allow Buddy to be more introspective and to be less of the cool kid, but more so just real and authentic about his experiences in America. As a black man, I'm growing up and as a rapper and an MC as well, trying to make it in the city. Um, and in his wider um, country of America too. I think um, Buddy has a real skill. He reminds me of like a Vince Staples um, in terms of how he can spit a Denzel Curry, in terms of how they're very diverse in um, how they can flow, how they ride beats, but then um, also in what they're saying as well. They can also be the kind of cocky kids, the kind of kids who are in the festivals, doing the madness, doing the drugs, doing all of this. But then at the same token, they are introspective and take a step back and think about society and think about how 
they are growing as artists and what they're contributing to their families, their friends, their their upbringing, their schools, their colleges, whatever. Um, and I think, yeah, Buddy does it really well. One of the songs that is grabbing my attention um, a lot and which I want a visual for post-quarantine um, is probably Bad Boys. I think here, um, I played it on my Instagram the other day. I think Buddy is just so cool in this, so menacing, so confident, so um, cocky with it. And I love when rappers get into that braggadocious bag and um, just really spit what they're worth as well. And they can be talking about the most reckless of stuff like partying, girls, all that. That's what he's talking about on the song. Um, but he's just so good at it. Like his 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 um, wordplay, his flow, his um, his ability to play with himself in terms of um, go back and forth with himself and challenge himself on each verse is just crazy and I'm so excited for a buddy man um I know Shoppe likes him and appreciates some of his, his slower stuff as well but um I'm I'm really yeah I'm a real big fan of his real big fan so um, I'm really excited to see what more he can offer some diversity and I think the way he ends some of his lines as well reminds me a lot of Kendrick Lamar in terms of just really clear really consistent and just almost rides into the next um line really quickly so he he does that quite well his transitions into both lines and different verses and verses to choruses are just um really cool really cool and I cannot wait to see what him and Kent Jams can can kind of do I think he's found his magical producer who can who can really take him to the next level um and in the same token buddy can take him to the next level as a producer and introduce him to some incredible talents in hip-hop um and wider genres as well so yeah i'm super excited that was a really standout project and i'm glad i pressed play because i was kind of like it was lower down on my list but i pressed play and i was instantly in love with it no track for me is filler as yet i might change my mind but on these first couple of listens this week um i don't find myself wanting to press stop on anything so yeah i'm impressed and then the other project that um, i'm really loving as well is um it was released yesterday but luckily somehow pr great and gave me an advanced copy it is um alina baraz's debut album called um it was divine now she has three other projects i don't know if she's loosely ever referred to them as albums or collaborative projects or whatever but i do think that this has been touted as the actual solo debut album and um i'm really excited for her in terms of um the single she had before she had the morocco with um slack or black or whatever you want to call him um she had more than enough she had endlessly and i think there was one more single um i think it was released a few days prior to the album called off the grid featuring our good friend khalid but um yes this debut album really lets you know who um alina baraz wants to be respected as and referred to as and her sound and um kind of all the origins of where where she gets her artistry from and i think she's really in that poetic slower r&b um pop obviously tinged in places too but um she's really about being in that entranced kind of even slow allegra kind of um r&b um obviously the one that doesn't want to be named Sabrina Claudio that kind of bag as well but um I think in this album it was defined she kind of finds her own sound within that and she's very she's very soft she's very angelic in terms of her vocals in places she's very um again as I said with Buddy introspective in places too and I think she chose her features really well so she's got obviously Black on there as I said Khalid 
Smino, which is doing so well at mid-tempos, in my opinion, like hopping on and being a feature guest. Um, he's also too quite poetic in his bars and lyricism too. So it was a it was a match made in heaven, to be honest. And I hope this becomes one of the singles um, in the future because I think it's a really good song. It's called Gimme the Will. It's track number five. And then we've got Nas on there, which is on the penultimate track. And they are actually managed by the same person. Um, like Chopin, I like to go behind and see the stories of how songs become things. And um, yeah, they're both managed by the same group of people. Um, and I till, Until I Met You came about because, yeah, she just wanted him on the album and she's a big fan of hip hop. So she reached out and yeah, he became a feature guest. And then with um, the likes of Khalid as well she's good friends with him and he he's a big supporter of her if you go on his profile he's promoted her countless of times and they've collaborated about four times now across her career so um it's good it's good to see a natural friendship and a natural um a natural meeting in the middle with artists um which they've managed to do to be honest and then d Marl is on this project i think twice um he's a producer he's, he's a great producer really with victoria monet right now and he is working with the new generation so well. Like he's worked with Seven. He's worked. He's worked with countless of artists. Um, there's so many to name: highbrow, lowbrow. Like he's he's really working the new, the new generation. And I think he's one of those producers that will be remembered, um, and often revered in terms of his his work in the last couple of last couple of years. Obviously, he's been around for ages, but last couple of years he's really building Ty Dolla Sign. Obviously, loads of collaborations with him um but yeah alina done so well on this project it's it falls each song falls effortlessly into one another and i'm in love honestly i am in love it's one of the best r&b projects i've heard this year to be honest and that's that's a lot there's been there's been quite a few projects this year and that's, that's a, lot a that's say. a big statement it's a huge statement and i'll stand by it i think it <laughs> um right right now it's in my top it's in my top there's, there isn't even a top 10 but it's in my favorite projects of the year right now to be honest, and I think it will stay there. Um, I'm in love with it. But um, those are my those are my listens for this week, man. It was Divine Alina Baraz, and then we've also got Buddy and Kent James Jank Tape Volume One. And oh, I will mention one more song. Kiki Palmer has returned with a single. Don't think it's going to do much, but it's it never Kiki, does. And I love I love how it sounds. Like she's she's married um trap and r&b really well here in my opinion and it doesn't sound forced so i love the sound i love how it sounds it's a nice little song um yeah play it if you get the chance to um those three are my listens for the week what were you going to say Eads? i was just going to say in terms of um r&b albums that were released recently did you guys get an opportunity to listen to the division album i did i did yeah what were your thoughts? Um, I think there are some great moments on there. I love that the new generation of Toronto are on there. Jezzy Reyes, I, I love her album, her solo album alone. And I think that that song in particular is a nice standout for me. Um, there are obviously parties on there, of course, label mates. Um, there are a couple more Toronto. There's a one towards the end. I forgot her name. I'll try and go to the uh, track listing uh Chantel May yeah she closes the album she actually she actually did so well that I went to um, listen to her music and she she's a great singer really great singer and there's a photographer called Ravy B who works with Beyonce Jay-Z all the all the big names Rock Nation she took pictures of her in Toronto for her latest project so yeah I gave it a little listen um 
she, she's a great singer. But um, yeah, as a whole set, yeah. as I'm set, I think um, this is the problem with like Kiana Lede, even this um, Alina Baraz. I think there's one or two songs too many. I think the R and B albums this year so far. They're a bit long. They're a tad too long for me. And I know um, R&B albums, um, historically, they have varied in length. They've been long, they've been short, whatever. But I think um, there are a few fillers um, on this Division album, in, in my opinion, I think. And it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't quite blend in the same vein as the other albums have, um, projects. And I know Chopé's critique when we recorded last time was that they almost are too cohesive in some senses but i feel like they've gone in the other direction and become a bit fragmented in terms of how how the project comes together there are some great moments though division will always have some great moments um but -hmm. in terms of a whole Mm -hmm. project um the features were a big telltale sign that it it may be a bit of a mishmash and and some features weren't needed on the project in my opinion and some songs even outside of the features weren't needed and and that's what i'll say but i still love them you know two out of three sounding cool to me you know the third one's all right um it's not shit but it's not it's not a hit in my opinion that's that's where i'm at with it and that yeah that's those are my thoughts what, what are your shopping i like I can, that i can see the face i know there's something coming so i like that come on. it's not shit but it's not here <laughs> that to me is emblematic of division's whole career Ooh, okay and and I said it, I, I had tank. like quite an in-depth, in-depth uh, rant about Division last week, which obviously didn't make it. But um, Nick and Eden, Eden especially know how I feel about them. That I think that uh, at the core, at the basis, they're a great group. Like, they're a great group. They have something special. I love what they bring to the R&B sphere. I've seen them live at Snow Logbox uh, two years ago or last year. They were great. I had a really good time. But my issue with them is that I just don't feel that they're living up to the potential artistically that I think that they're both capable of. I just feel that, and I'm basically going to repeat myself. So when they first came out in whenever it was, 2016, 2015, and they dropped those four amazing songs with me, Too Deep, hallucinations and one of the greatest r&b ballads of the last 10 years the line i was super amped and super excited for what this group could come and do and i love the fact they were from toronto i love the fact that drake signed them because even though drake is a it's a hickey hago label executive i know he loves r&b music um but i heard the album uh september 5th and while all of you were jumping up and down like hyenas hailing it to be like the greatest thing since um like brian mcknight and shit just not uh, the other six songs were just very meh. And, like, there were a few standouts. You know, Angela was one. Uh, Do It Well was one. But overall, I just kind of felt like these songs, they weren't terrible. They're not bad, but they're just very... They're just okay. They're just there. They're quite forgettable. Then on the second album, it was a bit better. Um, I did enjoy it, but I, I couldn't tell you which songs I like and don't like because, as Nick mentioned before, the album was way too cohesive. It was literally, like, one note one tone there was no modulations in the vibes of the album it just was like very there i could not tell you today what songs i liked and didn't like but i do know that i probably enjoyed this album more than the second and then even outside of that they've dropped songs in between albums which i really loved like they dropped um, a cover of marvin gaze's skin on yeah there's dear summer 16 
and there's been a few other songs which weren't on their project but just were great songs and i'm just like they have it in them they have it within them like they have a great body of work within them but they're just not giving it to me and then this album came i was like all right third time's a charm hey let's see what happens and then same thing again like there were songs in here which i was like okay i really love like i love courtside i love miss me dangerous sea so what was cool I agree with Nick Thorne of Shantae is a really good song, really good song. She's, She's a great, amazing. Great vocalist. Uh, Summer Walker song, no. Uh, oh, I forgot she was Star on Lego there. It can't just lie. be no, Shantae. Oh, it always will be for Summer Walker. It always will be a no. Always. Um, <laughs> no, clear EP. Okay, clear Come EP. On. But the, but Come clear on. Come on. I'll give her. I'll give her some songs in CPR, but the album. It's quiet. Anywho. Trap soul adjacent. Oh, don't disrespect Bryson, please. <laughs> don't disrespect. It is uh, trap soul adjacent. It absolutely fine. is. Do I give it, it is. Over it is the Safeway version of Trap Soul. It's a Tesco value version. <laughs> Safeway. Safeway's finest. Not a Safeway. No. At least Iceland. Come man on, man. said Safeway. Safeway. Man said Safeway. <laughs> But anywho, oh, the third album, so I was like, so it's like that meme, like, oh, this shit, same old shit, never knew that meme of that drag queen that we will see on Twitter. That's literally what I, <laughs> no. that's what I thought when I heard this album, like, there'll be songs in here that I'm like, yes, yes, give it to me, I love this vibe, but then I'm like, oh, okay, three songs in a row have gone, I'm like, okay, my mind has gone off to the, to whatever, my mind's just gone off, I'm just drifted away, slipping, my mind's slipping away, and I'm just like, I just don't know what it is. It's just like, because 1985 Boy. is a great producer. Uh, Daniel Daly is a great yeah. singer. He's a really great singer. Uh, he's actually one of the best vocalists we have right now in the male sphere. But they just can't get it together. Yeah, I'd agree. Give me a full top to bottom solid project. And I'm not saying that I shouldn't have skips on there because, you know, no one's perfect. Everyone can give me, you know, top to bottom perfection. But like, I feel like 70%, majority of the album, let me like vibe to most of the album, but there's just too many stops and starts that I'm just like, nah. And then I feel like at this point, I'd have just rather they gave me the her and give me three EPs rather than three albums. That's how I feel about it. Because you could have given me like eight songs on the last album, which would have been perfect together. There's about seven songs here. But that being said, I've been listening to the album. Actually, to be fair, I gave this album quite a bit of time this week. Because I really wanted, because I know everyone's talking about it on Twitter. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, let me let me just really give them a chance with this this week, and no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they don't. This, and this to me is it doesn't even it doesn't even trump the last album. So oh dear, I actually enjoyed this. I actually enjoyed their latest project. I didn't really, I didn't think it was as amazing as the first one. I do love the first one, but it's mainly. I think the thing to to say is. The four songs that they kind of introduced were on a certain level that the other songs just didn't reach. So it weren't that they were necessarily no, bad. It's all. just that by comparison, they just they they weren't reaching that level. Yeah. Um, the last one, I feel like the writing let down a lot of songs. Um, Courtside is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Um, I think the lyrics and kind of oh dear. like she doesn't she doesn't like playing games unless she's courtside. Sounds like. I'm just like, <laughs> but it's a bop though. It's a bop. It's all right. It's all right. Like I like lyrics to make sense, and for me, that didn't really 
just like uh, what do they mean <laughs> like they, she likes playing games but she's like the main it doesn't even person. make sense because if you're caught that means you're not playing but okay yeah <laughs> exactly so what does it yeah so what does it mean is that so it's one of the worst written songs i've heard in a while um the ty dollar sign feature let it me down i said that last song. time um, absolutely wasn't not needed, needed. Buju killed that though. He killed that song. Literally, give me his verse and then them doing one chorus and maybe like another verse by Buju. Yeah. That'll be great. I'll make it his song. To be honest. No. Um, and I can't even remember the Snow Allegra song. It's quite a forgettable project, to be fair. Um, the second division project for me had a few hits on there. Like, well, okay. Shop is going to attack me for the word hits. I know what you mean. Good songs it's on fine. there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the first album for me was where they kind of peaked. I'm hoping they're able to jump back, but I'm Three afraid albums, that though. they just... Yeah, I know. I know. I'm afraid they won't. That's the thing. They've set the bar too high, I think. The, they're never going to make a song better than The Line. They're never going to make a song better than that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Too deep. I didn't like Hallucinations. I said that last time. I didn't think it was that great. Um, do it well i prefer that to with me personally um i can't remember angela but i think division have a long way to go before they are considered as artists i'll keep in my i, I, I think they're, peaked, they're just not doing something but right. the I reason think, why yeah, the reason why they're always continue to drum up interest is because of the drake over affiliation if they weren't affiliated with drake i don't think we would be not we as in three but i mean like Twitter and social media at large would be giving them the praise and the adulation. No, I, no, no, I, I actually have so, you know. an other view. I think uh, OVO is terrible. I think it holds back all of its <laughs> artists right now. Like, but I mean, in terms of like, quality of music, no, that's what I mean. But I feel like a whole different direction would probably have happened if they weren't signed to OVO. I think some of it's influential there. Like, I think even Party, I think the creative voids are so apparent in OVO. Artists, Majid Jordan, like, I feel like a lot of them have the ingredients to be huge. Like Majid Jordan would own Asia right now with the right setup. Like they would be huge. Their sound is so there for us, both Europe and Asia. I feel like they'd be great. Um, Division, I feel like with the right people in the room, the right teams, they could, as you even said, pick the right songs to make it an EP. The right A&R. The right producers, the right A&Rs, exactly. Just the right team, the right setup. And then Party. Party has an amazing pen. He has an amazing sound when he can get it right. And the biggest difference between him and The Weeknd is OVO. Like, The Weeknd decided not to sign to OVO and he is the biggest toronto act bar drake right now like he's huge he's arguably bigger than drake in some arenas like in terms of some consistencies and some singles and some trajectories um so i think with the artists there they're just not being developed right at all that's a good point it's not there and drake is all great things he can be great in other areas as an artist he's done some amazing things trend set it's some amazing trends in music and rap in hip-hop but in, as an uh, as a, a stable master, as a record label, as all of that, nah, that ain't it. And it will never be his bag. I'm sorry. Even TV, Euphoria, brilliant show. I'm loving it. But in terms of this, just cut it loose. Cut them loose, please. Because they're all just writing your hits and but, contributing to you. But their own yeah. trajectories are are stagnant, are, are very stagnant. Mm. That's, that, I mean, that's if Party is, is making the type, if Party is making the type of album that he just made, 
solo outside of OVO, then I don't want to hear music by him. That album. Was oh, of course not. No, 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 no. Of, of course not. I've but I feel heard. like he would have, if he was signed to the right label with the right, as Chope said, A&R with the right exec producers in the room. Because mm. he's great. His pen is, he's penned some of the biggest hits that we have. I don't think he's he, that good. Part is, part is, part is the issue is his best songs are songs written for other artists. That's, part That's what I'm saying. If you check the credits for other artists, he's written amazing songs for other people. He's there. Yeah, but for saying that. Saying that he does what um, Claude Kelly was talking about, he writes songs with the vision of the artist. He wouldn't be able to release those as singles for himself. I don't want to hear Party Next Door doing work. I don't want to hear that as an as a single by Party Next Door. Mm. It was nice to kind of hear the the kind of um, what's it called the the guy track, but I don't want that as a single by but Party Next Door. I Same this... with Go on. Um, Controller. I don't want to hear that by Party Next Door. <laughs> Um, Boy, I just don't know. And by the way, I, the Tory Lane's version is better anyway. So I think this but, is yeah. the issue. <laughs> I think people are going to drag him on Twitter because I've been saying this for years. I have never been a Party Next Door fan. Like, never. I have never, I, I don't ever been a fan of his. I've always been like, okay, the weekend's better. The whole House of Balloons weekend. I don't know who bought this um, white, boy pop, yeah, yeah, yeah. white boy pop star he's doing now. I mean, House of Balloons, Thursday, Echoes of Silence, Dear Melancholy weekend. The weekend when he was good. But, I've just said, you know, not every songwriter is meant to be an artist. And that might be party yeah. next door. Not every yeah. great but, songwriter has to be in the forefront. Some of you are just great yeah. in the back. And that's fine. Yeah. It's so it's sad. Mm. I get you have those desires. Eric Bellin just another one. We don't need you to make another mixtape. Stay in the back. It's fine. He makes a mixtape no, every week. And no one, <laughs> and no one asks. Basically. And no basically. One <laughs> basically. You know, this, the streets nigga, don't want it. This nigga yeah. called himself the king of R&B. Like, um... You don't even have a top a top forty album to your name, let alone a top ten. <laughs> we can't. Yeah. We can't even. But I do think I get, go on. No, I was no. I was gonna say. Um, I was gonna go back to the division point just quickly. Um, I don't think if division were outside of OVO, it would have been a similar situation. I feel like they would have pushed um the producer a ninety. What's he called again? Nineteen eighty five. It's good. Yeah, 95. Yeah. They would have pushed him to the back and it would have just been uh, the singer, whatever his name is, I can't remember, to the forefront. It, they wouldn't. Both of those groups would have split up. Um, what's it called? The other one in OVO. Uh, Maggie Jordan. Jordan. No, but they my issue is that Jordan. I'm not even talking about them being pushed or promo success. I don't care about that. I'm talking about the actual music. The, actual the sound. Music yeah, yeah, yeah. The sound. Is, it's, it needs to be worked on. We need to go to the mm. drawing board. We need some, we need an executive producer in A&R. We need, maybe other producers on board. Like, I know 95 mm. is a producer. And that's my... Maybe don't be so self-contained. Maybe, like, you know, branch out one or two, two, or... And that's my point. OVO don't have the infrastructure. I just don't see it. Like, there's never been a piece I've seen profiling the actual team and the divisions and all that kind of stuff like who's behind the scenes there's a couple of people it's just not really the infrastructure that a universal has or that an rca rca is doing great right now with their signings in terms of who they're mm. signing and trying to develop and stuff i know bryson's got his little his, his issues personally but i feel like you know, they have the infrastructure to do that tunji's amazing developing the likes of lucky day working with her like they need a Tunji. They need yeah. someone and some people helping them like that. Have a meeting with Tunji, like, or something like that. But even outside of that, like, 
uh, I know OVO have like in-house producers. Like, why can't Division at least work with Forty or Boy When I Do? Like, Boy When I Do is especially like a dope oh my gosh, producer. amazing, like, amazing. I could Who? definitely Be imagine Boy Wonder. Boy One, Boy, is that, is that Boy how Wonder. You say it? I don't know. Yeah, Boy Wonder. Boy, Boy, Boy Wonder. Wonder. <laughs> yeah, Boy Wonder. I, Boy What I Do, whatever. The point I knew what I you meant though. <laughs> I did not know. Is, that, is it Boy Wonder? I did not know this whole time. I'm it's Boy Wonder, Wonder, yeah. Boy Wonder, yeah. Either way, he's a great producer. Like you mean to tell me, 1985, you can't, you know, share some space on the on the board with him. Can't. <laughs> I'm not saying go out of OVO, but like, um, Boy Wonder and Forty, they're great producers. So why can't yeah. they? Are. They work on Division. Yeah. But I get it because Division is supposed to be a producer and a singer, so to be like, no, we're, we're very all over, and maybe that's In the house. problem. Maybe that's the issue. Yeah. So guys, now we're going to move into the news section um, and what has been popular in music as of late. So Eads is going to start us off with a little COVID-19 summary of what's going on in the music industry. Yeah, um, so it won't so much be a summary, but it'll be like just talking about some of the things that have been going on um, whilst we've been away. Because I know we've been away for a few weeks now. So just to summarise a few um, a few things that have happened in kind of music world or like culturally. So there's been a few IG lives at the moment. So the Versus series um, hosted by Swiss Beats and Timberland on Instagram. Um, and I know a topic we're going to talk about later is um, one in particular. But it's just kind of just talking about how everyone is during this period, like with quarantining um, and kind of the effects it's having on the music industry. So, for example, uh, let's start with the topic of the idea that celebrities and like singers are asking people well they're kind of kind of being tone deaf to the ways that they can actually help um people who are actually suffering from covid so i was reading an article recently and the article is called celebrities shouldn't be asking average people to donate right now um and just to give more information so there's been an issue with a few artists um, asking people to buy merch or to donate to um, select locations. Um, and it's quite tone deaf because they have their own money. They are kind of the richest part of society and they are relying on their fans to kind of invest in um, things that they're directing them to. So like, what do you guys think of that? Um, so I read that article too this morning. Um, I was meant to read it yesterday, but I only got into it today. Um, and I think it was written by um, Hannah Georges, I think. Um, and yeah, she she said the problem is celebrities urging fans to donate during a pandemic. And I think it just kind of highlights how celebrities centre themselves in everything and don't really think about wider society and what's happening. Like... I think there's been a very popular phrase on um, socials in the last couple of weeks and it's like read the room but like I think a lot of Forbes's content has been in ill taste there was a shoot with Drake which I know was done pre-quarantine and all of that but I think that being released was quite tone deaf I think the celebrities asking people for money when they have it in the bank is quite tone deaf as people are dying so people in America, we're very lucky we have the NHS, which is still overfilled and it's very traumatic. But I think I live around 10 minutes away from a hospital. Um, If it got dire to me, I'm rolling up and I'm not leaving until they check my lungs because I know this thing is this thing is serious. But I think in terms of America, 
yeah, they'll take you in hospital beds and stuff like that. But I know the hefty insurance that is coming with some of these hospitals and how they're dealing with some institutions. So back to the original point of celebrities, context is key. They can now run with their 100,000 in the bank, 100,000 in mum's bank, 100,000 in the labels bank and pay for their 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 care if they ever got COVID um, at this stage where we have no cure for it like that. But I think with normal citizens asking them to pay and donate and we're all in this together when you earn big bank a month and I earn little scraps a month and just lost my job, not me personally, but just hypothetically, um, it's it's quite tone deaf. It's it's completely tone deaf to be quite honest. And it's it's selfish. It's really selfish. Pay the money, do your good deeds, and that's it. Like leave us alone. If we want to donate, we can, but people are dying. <laughs> people have to pay for shopping each week. Um and it's not a time for you as a celebrity to be trying to sell your lines, Demi Lovato, Kim Kardashian, to then try and give money to said um or give part of your money to COVID-19 and pocket the rest. Don't treat me like I'm dumb. Don't treat me like I'm a fool because it is you that is the fool asking me for money. So I think even Ashton Kutcher (laughs) and Mila Kunis, like you're selling wine, okay? You're selling wine and saying, these are all going to X, Y, and Z and all of that. I'm like, nigga, you've been doing philanthropy for how many years now? Just give that money to COVID. Stop it. Stop it. And just further context for that. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis combined are worth 250 million. Right. And I know like I know net worth doesn't tell you how much money someone has in the bank, but it's an indicator that they have money. It's yeah. not a situation. And also, I think in the, I think Nick is quoting from the same article as me. Um that wine um distillery is owned by a friend of them. Yep. Um so it is very very dangerous and kind of just to go even further cuz I know Nick touched on it but I want to kind of drive through the point like in <laughs> there's 26 million people that applied for unemployment benefits in the US um this week I think and in the in the last in the last 5 weeks alone oh, 5 weeks um, yeah. yeah and at the moment a lot of people are waiting for stimulus checks a lot of people have been furloughed or like completely well no actually in the UK a lot of people have been furloughed People are waiting for stimulus tech, um, checks in the US and people are fighting to keep their, a roof over their heads, to feed their families. So it is, it's a very interesting state where I think the line between celebrities and they called them average people, but I'm not really comfortable with that term, um, everyday person or um, the working person um, won't be able to keep up and afford these donations um that really should be an opportunity for philanthropy um philanthropy i can't say the word um so it's very interesting to see who's actually donating i know that rihanna's doing a lot i know that she's made a few donations um with the twitter ceo jack dorsey um i know that who else is doing some work there's quite a few people that are the girl you said you can't sing who's that oh anyway the girl girl you said you can't sing she with her foundation is supporting groups of mental health and medical services i think she donated about seven million dollars or something what's the name of the what's the name of the donation group shopper oh um the be good foundation so beyonce who even said can't sing she's been doing her part too anyways i didn't say that 
Um, and with regards to other people, Pharrell is someone who had a lot of backlash for asking people to donate to um, a fund. Oh, Pharrell is so annoying. Or something along those lines. He asked them to do- donate somewhere and he didn't donate a dime, I think was the issue. Um, I'm trying oh, to find Pharrell. which part of the article. Pharrell but is it's, just... it's like... But also, if we look at the fact of what oh. artists are doing, we spoke about this last time. Imagine was a song by Paul McCartney and John Lennon. when COVID was happening. Oh, John Lennon, sorry. Um, yeah, and when this originally began, when COVID first started, there was a video that went round of celebrities singing <laughs> Imagine as if that was going to kind of resurrect people um, and kind of fix the issue that people were facing. And then uh, you got another Beatles member, Paul McCartney, <laughs> penning a letter to the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK, as if that was going to do something. Rather than pinning a check. <laughs> exactly <laughs> hold on hold on so hold i think on. Col- hold on as we're in this point i'ma just have to say okay the united kingdom yeah you guys going out yeah to london bridge or wherever oh. you fucking went to clap <laughs> for the nhs with no mask on half of you had no mask on you are pathetic Sorry. you are pathetic yep. whoever of you gets covid19 i'm not I'm not. I'm not praying. I'm sorry. Do you know what Get killed better. me about the video? Get better I saw soon, some doctors and nurses. So did I. No video. masks. Mask off. With no masks. So you. They're doing future. So, so you, who are instructed to protect and look after the the sick, you're outside in Westminster without. And did you see how close gloves. they were to each other? They could have kissed each other. They could have kissed. That's how close they mm. were. On doing bridges, Queen and on bridges, right next to the River Thames. Yeah. No mask on. Suck your mother. That's it. Suck your mm. mother. All of you, suck your mother because you're pathetic. You are. And going out and for the, the Queen's birthday. Masks, hold on, hold on. To. There's more. Go into Buckingham Palace for the Queen's birthday. Pathetic. You all deserve to get ill. I'm sorry. You do. That's it. I, and I think die. we need to I didn't stress say the die, point. But get ill. I think we need to stress the point that people need to stay home during this period. Um, and luckily music has been helping a lot of people stay home um so I, this is a perfect opportunity to segue into the point of um the versus series so um nick do you want to talk about that the yeah. main topic we we're going to talk about a hundred percent um i'm just going to say one more thing british artists you're not social distancing okay influencers you're not social distancing getting your hair done haircuts trims pathetic pathetic anyway we will pivot into the versus series and this week saw the second time due to technical difficulties um of this battle actually happening so often revered talents teddy riley and babyface finally sat down on instagram live um despite a few technical difficulties still happening um they still got through the whole few hours that they were on live together they had their versus battle now if you don't know what this is it is obviously the timberland and swiss beat started series which has seen so many take to their their lives kind of to go through their whole catalog um or most of their catalogs or the biggest hits or undercut hits that they uh, that people in america knew and that the world need to know newer generations need to be introduced to 
they go round for round sometimes they're 20 sometimes they're 10 rounds it depends how long we go for it's got a bit more organized as we've gone on but yes teddy riley babyface they sat down what was actually funny was teddy riley was doing up stages before not social distancing might i add um in the first installment of this versus series which happened a couple of days prior um loads of technical glitches loads of pixelated images <laughs> appeared tony braxton went on damn twitter becoming the spokesperson for this battle in particular she was hella mm. funny loved her commentary she literally unblocked even fans that were um previously blocked in the good spirits of the versus competition but yes um they finally got to you're forgetting you're on. forgetting one key person who the one person who made this live the funniest thing ever he was in the comments. Oh, Tyrese. Tyrese, yeah. Ty- <laughs> listen, child. He said, throw in the towel. Throw the towel. <laughs> throw in the towel. <laughs> I'm over him. Why, why is he always in some mixed match on social media? I swear to God. I legit think he does it for publicity, you know? Like, I just no, he legit does. Think he does. He does. He does. Like, the R&B is dead thing. Oh, my God. That was in poor taste. But, like, he did that to promote a single and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. Oh my god, that was so annoying. (laughs) Chope, that was I know you know. That was a hot That was so annoying. And I'm just like, shout out the album's good anyway. Nigga, shout out. (laughs) Was that Black Rose? Yes, it was the Black Rose album. I can't remember what he did. He did something. He was with an old woman and the old woman was like lying on the grass and he was like R and B is there. So I'm like Bruh. Bruh. And like, Bruh. He was like driving around shouting Arby's not dead and having it yeah. filmed. And I was like, Comparing Stop. to Adele and all the it was just got a bit political. It's it's just... like... hey, can I can I just say if you want to watch the funniest Harry's video, yeah, <laughs> watch his audition for Django. It's <laughs> so funny. I don't think you understand. It's so it's him screaming in a cave for like three minutes. I saw this on Twitter, like someone posted it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna put I'm gonna I'm gonna put a clip in. I'm putting a clip in. Oh, yeah, Tyrese. please do. Okay, yeah, so the commentary was the, hilarious. It was, it was, it was amazing. Honestly, um, Tamar's even funny too. Tamar got ready for her man's. Like she cooked some meal. She was ready, and then the audio just failed on us. Like it was, it was a mess. It was a mess. But yes, the real battle happened, and so many deep cuts were played. So many amazing songs. Foxy Brown, who I love, was played Black Street, Get Me Home, obviously that classic record. Um, Bobby Brown, Every Little Step, like Keith Sweat, I want her. Like Tevin Campbell, we went we went through. We went through the hits. I know Shoppe, did you watch it live or did you watch it back? Or... I did. I did I've watched it live both times. I knew you would have. <laughs> I knew if any battle, I knew that was the one you would have watched. Baby yes. is like your guy, and I know we respect babyface and his catalogue and obviously even teddy riley like both of them have touched yeah. the genre i i love r&b amazingly yeah and they've they've, so... they've gone to so like mj is in some of these cat like black ugh, johnny gill like there's a lot there's a lot there is a lot of talented folks in these guys' catalogue they have helped shape what r&b looks like throughout multiple decades and they're still here they're still here you know eden's gone on about aaron ray he's worked with babyface lately like there's a lot of 
work still to be done. I think their careers aren't even, they're not even finished yet, to be honest. Um, they're still working. So, yes, the ultimate winner, I'm going to say, well, it's obviously the undisputed one. We kind of were leaning towards him in the beginning. I mean, I knew before this happened. So. We knew, you know, that, but, you know, it was a good battle. It was strong, but baby face, you know, he won in the end. But it was obviously. an amazing, amazing battle. Um, it was amazing. What did you guys think? of this whole the versus series number one and then this particular battle what did you think of it man because i think it was incredible personally despite technical difficulties i thought it was incredible um i thought it was amazing how it was kind of an introduction i believe for some people to some of the greats and an introduction to what they've done um so looking at some of the stats because anyways so looking at the stats some of the um increases for like social media traffic and stuff has been incredible yeah like babyface yep. his instagram followers have increased by 129 percent. so mm-hmm. he was on 420k now he's on 1.1 mil um his twitter is increased by over a thousand percent like if we look at it was an introduction for a lot of people to these people um and some of the songs that they've they've created and i and like shoppe said it was an introduction to me because like i said i i've previously never looked into the producers for a lot of music i kind of just listen to the song enjoy it and then go live my life and i think that's kind of the difference between all three of us um and in terms of how deeply we look into music um and i feel like this this was very very entertaining um i've become a massive babyface fan um, I find like some of his comments are very similar to me. Like, for example, when he asked um, <laughs> Teddy Riley when if he was 12 when he made a song. Like, I don't think you understand how funny I found that. It was... You, <laughs> it was changed, so your, you changed your Twitter name to that. So <laughs> was you 12 when you made you this? 12. But there were so many little digs. Like, for example... I don't do remixes anyway. First... Yeah. yeah. That one. And also when they first started and um, like they came up on the screen and Teddy Riley had all these people around them and um, Babyface was by himself and Teddy Teddy Riley was like, oh, how are you to Babyface? And Babyface was like, yeah, good, just social distancing. And <laughs> it pans to the camera and all these people are surrounding Teddy Riley. Do you know so what it is? Kind of get, like, Do you know what gone. it is? It's like um, a, just a snippet and Shopee will know this, a snippet into R&B and in pop culture back then because these little yeah. comments yes. would be they would be in daily fruition like we've seen janet we've seen mary whitney we've seen wit oh. wit was the queen oh. of that we've whitney. seen mariah on the come up <laughs> and even even our even even beyonce took from that in her early days now if you were there with yep. destiny's child in the interviews there was a very different beyonce who's still there who was still submerged yep. in there we don't see her she, anymore we don't see there. her anymore but she's, she's there <laughs> deep deeply in there and Back then, 90s, 80s, 70s, if them old vintage interviews, yes. some of them are on YouTube. Wendy Williams even took a leaf out of their books in terms of the early 2000s and her radio yes. show. There are hella shade, hella yes. comments, yes. hella digs. Yes. And if you wanted to get to yes. the apex of your career, you had to go through all of those comments. You had yes. to. You yep. had to. You would not be, you would have thick skin by the time you became a great if you were yep. there you know because you would have right. been hit even Nicki minaj obviously got hit with some of that shade um throughout patty labelle all of that kind of stuff the comments the little snippets that you see in today's climate are only a taste and mariah on american idol 
just a taste of what you would have got in the eighties and nineties because oh, you man. you would have been you would have been going home crying. J Lo to this day, I don't know her. It's still a thing. Okay, no, do you know? What? But let's I, not forget the number one, Whitney Houston cussing out Wendy Williams for two hours yeah. straight on radio. Yep. Yep. the greatest that, interview of all time. Back to that. I still <laughs> go back to that. Whitney <laughs> had time that day. <laughs> <laughs> she had her coffee. She was. She had her coffee. She had sniffed her line or two. With all due respect, yeah. but the truth is there. All due respect. Um, yeah. This was Whitney at the peak of her drug, um, her drug addiction. Absolutely. Whitney was fed up. Short fuse. The truth <laughs> is there. Short fuse. Okay. Short. Whitney had had it up fuse. to here with Wendy talking okay. shit. She called in. <laughs> and I would always say this. I wish I was in America. Imagine driving to work in the morning, and that's the radio. Bro, yeah, I wouldn't be going into my office. Are you dumb? My office is not seeing me. I'm going back to Starbucks. I'm taking a seat. And we're playing that loud. We're playing that right loud. Because you could not tell me that Whitney, that one of the only people to really go deep on Wendy, and I'm not listening to every second of that. Are you stupid? Are you stupid? Like, it's No, but nuts. also, in a way, that and just it was energy from the beginning. It didn't even escalate. Whitney had energy from the beginning. She was like, interview. oh, you want to yeah. say something? Say something. I'm here. I'm like, who, are you ta- who are you talking to? <laughs> no but also that kind of shows how legendary of a presenter um wendy williams is though like, she is like she took, is but she's problematic fam. oh very 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 but very. she is but great the she fact is great. she took time like from whitney houston took time to cuss her up that says something like yeah, yeah she she's that important she's that important of course yeah <laughs> like oh. <laughs> for real but yeah Another Ooh. funny interview. This we're, we're sidetracking now. We'll get back to it. But when um Wendy interviewed a Tory straight after the three old W. Shop it, I was just going to mention that. Shop it. That just is also an that. iconic interview, which is hilarious. So when the Tory, So we all know when the, the Tory got kicked out of three old W and the other two threw KFC in her face and other yeah. So basically, just check out Wendy was just throwing shade the whole time. Like, oh yeah, mashed potatoes in your face. Yeah, chicken in your weave. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like oh. Wendy just was. Problematic. Wow, as savage, boy. But anyway, back to Teddy and Babyface. So, Eden, yes. are you done with, with your yeah, thoughts? Yeah. So, as Nick said, of course I was there. I had to be there for this. I hadn't seen the other ones because they were too late. And actually, most of the time, I actually didn't know they were on until like, the day after. So, like, I missed the John to Austin versus Neo one. I didn't see Timberland and Swizz. I saw, like, the very end of Sean Garrett, Sean Garrett's lips oh and um, The Dream. Boy. I saw like the very end of that. But when I saw Teddy and Babyface were on, I was like, oh, I have to be here for this. And first and foremost, I'll say this. I actually do think this was a mismatch battle. Like, I know Teddy is obviously legendary and iconic, but I truly think, you know, as the respecting legends here, I think the only production person um, that can match up to Babyface's catalog is, is Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. That, in my opinion, should have okay. been a battle. It should have been LA and Babyface, or just Babyface, versus Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. But Teddy Riley obviously is amazing. Like, I, it, I love, absolutely. I love what he's done for the culture. Like, I love Guy. I love Black Street. I love Teddy Riley's work. But, um, so I just want to start by saying that. <coughs> and, um, I'm not even going to get into technical difficulties because we've all had our jokes with the memes and everything. I'm going to get into the actual battle itself. Now, I did yeah. enjoy the battle, but I, I was still, like, a little bit disappointed with the, some of the songs they chose. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, um, you obviously want to play uh, some of your, I guess, 
no, how can I phrase it? Your cultural hits. Yes. But I kind of just felt like that they both have, especially Babyface, they both have bare, massive hits that they did not play. Like, I was thinking, like, how is like halfway in, like, where's the TLC at? Where's Bobby Brown? <laughs> where's Boys to Men? And on Teddy's side, I was thinking, like, come on now. Where's Blackstreet? Where's Keith Sweat? And we didn't get those, but they came in later. I was like, there were just certain yeah. songs which I felt. Where's Joe? Like, like there were just yeah, certain. Yeah, yeah. There were just certain songs and certain artists that I felt like didn't get enough attention, considering what they both have in their back pocket. So like, I look, I look at. So obviously, like I'm, you know, looking back at. Uh, I'm looking at the Spotify playlist now. Same. So I see that they played like Johnny Kemp's "Just Got Paid," which is great. Maybe face me as I get home. Peace to my love guy. Like, we should have had Groove Me. We should have had Teddy's Jam. And then even on, like, Babyface side, we needed way more. We needed way more, like, uh, Tony. More of... Who else did they play? More Pebbles. Like, we could have had so much more of the big, big, big hits. So, like, I did feel a bit disappointed, but I did enjoy it. I did enjoy I think, like, the last half now, they really got into the groove. That's where they were bringing out the fire. Like, we got... Blackstreet, Karen White, Michael Jackson, Tony Braxton, The Boys, Keith Sweat, like, they started bringing out the Whitney and the Mariah. So I did enjoy the battle. But, um, yeah, I don't really have much to say on that. Really. I just think that Babyface obviously won. Like, I've said it a thousand times on this show, he's one of the greatest songwriters and producers Absolutely. of all time. Not, not R&B, not black writers, like, of all time. He's one of the greatest artists, writers, producers of all time. And, like, Mm. Babyface's catalog as a producer and an artist. We can't forget Babyface the artist. Babyface the artist also has the jam. So we can't forget yeah. Tender Lover. We can't forget When I See You Again. Babyface has mm. also given us. And even most recently, he gave us um, a Grammy Award winning album with Tony Braxton, Love, Marriage, and Divorce. A great duet album. Check that out, guys. A great project. And he's still writing great songs. Still. And I just want to shout out to Tony Braxton for her hilarity. Like, I'm not new so to this. Funny. If you watch Braxton's Family Values, we all, you, you know that Tony is hilarious. Tony is hilarious. She's very blunt. She's not necessarily shady, Tamar. She's just very blunt and it's very funny. But uh, yeah, it was a great battle. I do wish that technical difficulties were a bit stronger. It was very much like two uncles versus technology the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, especially when it took like half an hour for them to do the pinned thing. On Bruh. the page that took that was hilarious, but um, yeah, no, it was great battle. But I just think that I wish that they the songs were better chosen. But this battle did just sh- I love that it did like reinvigorate interest in certain artists who don't really speak. So Karen White in particular, like she was a massive star in the late eighties, early nineties. Both Babyface and Teddy Riley worked with her, and she is someone that does not get enough credit at all when we talk about R&B females over the generation. So like her first album, woo. Mm. Woo! Chef's kiss. That girl. So um, yeah, man. And guy, guy doesn't get a credit for being a great R and B. Like Aaron Hall, lead single that group, incredible singer. Arcade took his entire swag from him. We're not doing that today. That's for the conversation. <laughs> oh, oh, hot take. A hot take. And and you know, Keith Sweat's Tevin Campbell, Heavy D and the Boys. Uh, so many great artists. And Tony Braxton, like you just showed the. And she only, and the, he only played like what three Tony songs. There were so many other. There were only a few. I'm surprised. I was surprised personally. I thought Tony was going to make loads of appearances that night. Yeah, 
and then and Teddy, you played Remember the Time too late. Like, why would you play Jam first? Like, no, you go for Remember the Time in the closet. Jam isn't no, but whatever. It was a great battle. I enjoyed, but I and I still want to see it. Jimmy Jam and Teddy supposed to babyface. That's what I want to see. I know it's not gonna happen because yeah. he's done it already. But to me, that is where the true battle is because, like I said, there were literally oodles of songs that babyface did not play that would yeah. easily go against very well with King Jimmy Jam and Terry. So that's what I want to see one day. I definitely think more widely, like, these battles were a good idea. Like, I like what Timbo and uh, Swizz have always done. They're always kind of for the, the culture, whatever that is, but they're definitely always for the people. Let me say that, for the people. And, you know, I'm, I'm a real big fan of them and what they've done. I think my favourite battle so far has been the Jonta um and John to Austin and Neo battle because I just think that both of them showed each other such respect and their dues and it was beautiful. Like again, there could have been better song choices and I think Neo was being a bit more strategic, well trying to be a bit more strategic, but I think that it was the greatest display of just um showmanship, showmanship during battle as well. And another thing, I think the little John battle um it highlighted to me that a lot of people have ignorance in southern hip-hop and southern hip-hop's trajectory and what it meant to the culture and what it meant to music and even me like not ignorance but I need to go dig even deeper than I know right now because there's so much history in the south and southern hip-hop in particular that just doesn't get spoken about like uh the like it just it just doesn't get spoken about at all and I think that battle to me was a it highlighted the most problematic sentiments in hip-hop and commentary and people who think they know their shit and they don't and there was just there's a lot of ignorant takes that night but despite everything i think during this quarantine period those battles have kept a lot of us entertained and forgetting about what's going on outside so yeah shout out to those two and shout out to the battles to hopefully come in the future because there's a lot more we could get into as well and let's let's see some women in this as well that's that's a, that's been a critique too um let's see some missy in there too or some you know some other people who can stand the missy test of time she do did she why she did she give a reason did no. she give a reason but she like she replied to someone on twitter saying she doesn't want to do one Oh, for fuck's sake. Missy, what else have you got to do, sis? Come on, get on the camera. But um, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Let's get some women in the cut. But yes, yeah, so let's move on to some more news. Um, This woman is always in trouble as of late. Great songs, but messy career. Um, MIA, British folk. Right, let's go to the UK. Let's go. To, it's, it's going to contain some coronavirus commentary too, but um, last month, which I didn't even know until this article came out, but um, MIA said she would choose death over a vaccination uh, of corona. But this isn't like the context of if there is ever a vaccination. Like you know, you've got the flu jab. If there's a corona-related um, one, she's she'd rather at this point choose death now she voluntarily gave this information up in a now deleted post um it was text messages to what i'm assuming is a friend um and the unidentified person said that obviously the british editor for vogue um edward inunifo had withdrawn his offer for the feature um and had and she had since removed this post 
um the message obviously said considering our august um is an issue where we're chronicling the struggles of the nhs to cope while a vaccine is tried to be made we don't feel we can have her meaning mia involved um it just wouldn't be right all of our issues july to september will be supporting the frontline healthcare workers and we need to be respectful of them and all that they're doing until a vaccine exists um, a spokesperson actually follows up with the guardian who reported this kind of issue and the mia kind of coverage and it said British Vogue supports um, the NHS and everyone on the front line who are protecting people from the virus um, and saving lives every day. They offered no further comment in regards to MIA's um, allegations. Um, and The Guardian then went on and actually contacted reps for MIA. Um, MIA accused British Vogue of overlooking her activism regarding healthcare, including helping Jeremy Corbyn fight for the NHS um, when everyone voted Boris and standing with Tamils when the Sri Lankan government was bombing UN civilians, hospitals, taking um, financial and a career hit. So she thanked the magazine sarcastically for acknowledging that the choice is a liberty I choose to exercise and fight for, giving me the time to research how many people's lives have been affected by enforced vaccinations across african countries um and then she went in to speak about anti-vaccines and why she kind of um doesn't like them or kind of abstains from taking them to be honest and then went into labs doctors research all that kind of stuff i won't bore you with all that jargon but essentially what do you guys think about mia coronavirus vaccinations and vogue allegedly removing her from the cover to come in august or the feature sorry to come in august um <clears throat> for me i get vogue's position and i understand the angle they want to make sure that this issue focuses particularly on thanking the nhs and the medical sector for all they're doing um, and i believe that's very very important um i think it's important that we understand sometimes that hate is a very like i don't hate people who believe things like 5g theory or believe are anti-vac like i've said this before although i am personally not anti-vax um and i understand the importance of having a vaccine available to help people with sicknesses or illnesses or and viruses at the same time i understand where the skepticism comes from and i think it's important that we take that into consideration um especially during the time of coronavirus, it's made it very apparent how weak the um, the distribution of information is from a hierarchical level. And what I mean by that is the points of um, information that you'll go to, like the news or um, social media sites, we're starting to see a lot more places become biased. And because of that, a lot of the information we receive can be quite skewed. We can look at the Cambridge Analytica scandal, for example, or we can look at the way that Donald Trump has recently said that he believes that injecting, um, I can't remember what he said, injecting like Dettol and all those cleaning products is a way to actually help with coronavirus. We can look at those as, as examples. So I'm not necessarily angry at the fact that some people believe there's more to this than what we actually see. Um, and when it comes to anti-vaxxers, especially when it comes to coronavirus, there have been theories for a while that 
like the government will try and find a way to implant us with chips and this is the way to do it um and they'll track us and all these types of things if i'm being completely honest like from a technology standpoint they wouldn't need a chip right now like (laughs) we're we're using a zoom call right now to have a conversation zoom the company knows exactly where we are because we gave them our information um we have iphones we have so many things that harvest our information i don't i understand the fear of a chip but really and truly we're offering data to these companies for free anyway for real um so yeah yeah, i just i understand where people are coming from i understand the anger and where i do have an issue is when it becomes violent and people are attacking people who work at like 5g um companies and stuff like that um my issue is that i don't like the rhetoric that we should all follow the news and what they're saying as the base point without questioning it I feel like there should always be an opportunity to question it and challenge it. And that's what anti-vax, flat earthers and all these type of people do. And I'm not saying they're correct, but I'm saying it's an opposition. Um, unfortunately, with anti-vax, it's at the behest of people that of young children, because it's a lot of young children that aren't getting vaccinated. Um, and some of them are losing their lives because of some of their diseases. But I also blame that on the fact that governments haven't been honest with the public for a while. And as a result, people have grown quite skeptical and believe there's an agenda to everything. You can blame both sides. Yeah. Um, personally, that's my opinion. Um, but yeah, MIA, with regards to her, she's, she's spoken trash a lot of the time. Um, and I wasn't going to read the Vogue article anyway. Oh, I wouldn't so, have read that feature. We're good. We're good on MIA. Yeah. yeah. That's me. That's me. So, um... I don't really have um, much to say on MIA. Um, Eden kind of uh, led the line of discussion I was going to bring up about the, I understand why we don't trust vaccinations and trusting, you know, medicine and stuff like that. I, so he's basically covered all of that. And I, so I had to say that I understand why MIA said what she said, but at the same token, I understand that, you know, it's a very radical point of view to have, especially as someone as famous as she is and, especially with what's going on in the world right now especially because things are so dire and people are dying at such alarming rates i understand why vogue decided to you know for the for the for the foreseeable future discontinue them working with her and like nick said i also wasn't going to read it that being said i used to be an mia fan before she was problematic but also the music just got shit um her first two albums were really good but the last couple albums have just been noise to me so yeah, but um, she was great. So if, if you want recommendations from me, I would recommend the Arula album and the Carla album. Those are great projects from her. Uh, shout out to Solange for putting me on to her back in 2008. That's why I'm an MIA fan. But um, yeah, she she is very problematic. She's anti-black. Um, haha, you know. That Asian, that Asian black um, solidarity, where is it? Your girl, mm-hmm. MIA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... M- M- she's done, and she said some. She's also said some other. I think she's like pro terrorism as well. She's what? yeah. She she said she said like I can't remember, but like there's something happened. Like I know what her argument would be though. I know what her argument would be. Like something was going on in uh in Sri Lanka, and I can't remember what she said, but basically the sentiment was pro terrorism. I can't remember the exact so. I'm sure there's an article out out there, people can find it, but she said some very wayward things which kind of implied that she was pro-terrorism. 
So I get. I'm not gonna say I, I agree with what she's saying, but I do. I can imagine the angle she would go from. She'd probably be talking about how um, terrorism is a term that um, assigns to different sides. Like, look, if you look at American soldiers, they're terrorists in um, some of the Middle East, Mid- Middle Eastern countries. Um, so I get what she would probably say. Um, mm. Based, yeah, yeah. Right. So that was my MA point. Okay, so we'll move on to our final um, point of call for today, which obviously is uh, it links to what we spoke about earlier, celebrities, all that kind of stuff, um, and Forbes. Obviously, mop up any celebrity within hip-hop, pop, whatever, that reaches billionaire status. I think the last one that we that would be relevant to us was Jay-Z, and we covered it as well. Um, and now this is um, his former friend, um, former brother, I would say, arguably, um, Kanye West, um, Mr. Kardashian himself. Um, yeah, he's he's a billionaire. Um, he's made this through his the likes of his Yeezys collection, obviously his discography, um, and he's done. Yeah, he's done it all. He's Kim Kardashian, obviously, who's his wife, tweeted her congratulations um, and her affirmations um, in in regards to his success as well um and yeah i think he reached billionaire status in the last couple of days last couple of weeks um and yeah it was earlier this month that they actually got this together in terms of him actually getting this this feature too um what are you guys' thoughts on billionaire sorry status of kanye west well, I think this is a great opportunity for Chicago to receive a donation. Um, I'm looking forward to Kanye West doing that. And um, I think it's quite interesting because a question I asked on the Dats account was, do you feel like Kanye had to sacrifice who he was? And um, did he really, did he have to change his character to become the billionaire he is today? Like we think about who Kanye West was when he came into the scene, he was someone who was quite vocal about um the issues of the everyday man like he would talk about how um george bush doesn't care about black people that's something that he was known for and now we've gone to someone um who is a worse president for um black americans and he's actually celebrating him talking about how america is great again um and it's very interesting because has has him becoming a billionaire affected his limit his um legacy and i think I don't think it has. I think this is going to be part of his story, but I feel like it could have been much sweeter. Um, you can say Kanye West has done a lot for um, black music and um, especially hip hop. He's done a lot in terms of the gentleman image that he attached to it. Um, but there is an argument to say that he had to quote unquote, sell his soul to become who he is today. Um which is fairly interesting. Um, and I hope that this new billionaire status is something that will allow him to do some of the things he wanted to do earlier in his career. Like when he was talking about the issues going on in, um, was he talking about Congo in, um, what's that song where he talks about the diamonds in, oh, where was it? I can't remember. Diamonds he talks are about forever. The, I can't it, diamonds are forever, but it was he was talking about the diamond mines um in Sierra, Sierra Leone. Leone that's it um so hopefully he does more stuff like that um do you guys believe 
that when you become a billionaire, it should be an opportunity for you to be more philanthropic. You should be giving back more than you actually accumulate. Do you guys believe that? Um, I feel like it's hard because we've spoken about wealth before on the podcast. Um, and I think, you know, anytime someone accumulates that amount of wealth, whether they're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, like, um, I think it's at a detriment to society, obviously within the structure we live in and stuff like that. I think Rihanna is a great example of someone who's leveraging both pockets now and i love her for what she's doing and yeah she's a celebrity yeah the infrastructure's toxic or whatever and flawed and whatever we think or whatever i think but in terms of doing good she's someone who's really gone 360 um in terms of her her kind of trajectory and stuff like that and um i'm excited for her i'm excited and i want i want more celebrities to just wholeheartedly follow her blueprint and you know artists have done that in the past before they've been countless Christina Aguilera's one that's always giving back as well um MJ of course always giving back Prince oh my gosh his whole legacy yep. is in regards to that Nipsey um yep. I just think that those artists that I've just named and even more um are ho like holistic examples of what you should do with your wealth once you accumulate it unapologetically just do it like not for the accolades not for this just do it and to answer your original question i do think it is there's a bigger onus now that you've got even more money you're not in the millionaires or in the billionaires you can give more um so yeah maybe there is that implicit responsibility actually at this point look at society look at where we're at we're in a pandemic look what what it's revealing i think it should be explicit it's time to put your money where your mouth is because there's mm. no need there's no need for that amount of hoarding of wealth your family's good with even a quarter of that 0.01 of that your family's good um yeah give give more yeah i do think that people should continue to put like their foot on these celebrities necks and these billionaires necks to say all right you've accumulated all this money from us purchasing from you now it's time to help us in our time of need um and i and it is possible i don't care what anyone says it is possible for people to give back i know that a lot of the money that um kanye made was from the yeezy deal that he had with adidas um and some of that will be in stock yeah. all of it will be in cash but i i'm not gonna pretend that uh kim isn't doesn't have money that whole family doesn't have money kanye now has money as well they can do something to impact some lives if anyone at all um so I do think that it's very important that we highlight that it is a great thing that um, Kanye West said what he was going to do and now he's done it. He did say in an interview with um, Sway, someone pointed this out, that he said there were quite a few things that he was going to do and we all laughed at him when he said it. We all, we yeah. all laughed and said, oh, Kanye is being crazy again, all these types of things. He's completed it. He's a billionaire. Um, Yeezy is a very successful brand with Adidas. Um, it's definitely helped them improve as a company when he moved from Nike. And... Um, I think we should congratulate him for that. Like he had a dream, he completed it. But now is the time to show who he really is. Like he has to show that he is Kanye West, the man he was during the beginning of his career. And we. But he's not that man, no. Well, we have to just see. We have to give him the opportunity. I don't think we can just say flat out that he won't go back to his roots. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. No, you know what? I disagree with that because. Even before he became billionaire, he's been had money to help his community. He's been had money to help Chicago. But he, but, but he, he's, he's been rich for a long but time. But he was on, 
I think he had a plan of things that he wanted to do, and I think he's completed a lot of them. So what's the next step? Right. He he can either recreate himself, like he could he could follow the footsteps of Jay Z. Although we can comment on some of the things he've done, he's done. Jay Z has done a lot of um, ph- philanthropy work, so we'll have to has, see what happens. Fair, fair we'll play. See what happens. Um, I think with Cardio right now, and I've said this before on the podcast, I at present, yeah. um, yeah. I'm not one to say never say never because you know i could change you know my mindset could change but right now he's shown me consistently for the last couple of years who and what he represents Mm -hmm. now now obviously there was a different kanye 10 years ago 15 years ago whatever but now the era he's in now even talking about voting for trump again all right in the upcoming elections this year he i don't know how much he cares for his community like he once did you know um and it's deeper than just independent free thinking like he trump just said to inject yourself with debt Mm. okay essentially he paraphrased essentially said that you know that sounds that sounds good that sounds great you know let's test that out if the disinfectant we can inject ourselves and kill ourselves in the process anyway, but inject ourselves for coronavirus and it will kill <laughs> in the same way that it kills disinfected in your toilet. Okay, right, Kanye. Okay, cool. So, Kanye, that's what you're co-signing. That's no, can we co-signing. talk about Febreze? Right? <laughs> that's what you're co-signing. Right? That's what Kim Kardashian saying to great president. And blah, 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 blah. Cool. 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 Right. And... Kanye I'm just you know whatever whatever accolade we want to say that is claps for you I'm not clapping but claps for you from other people um well done um let's see what you do for black people let's see let's see we'll see for that we'll see um I won't be watching closely but the timeline will be watching for me um they'll make their reports or whatever um we'll see if he changes we'll see who he gives to and whatever but once he's a part of that family a bit problematic but we'll see so i don't have much to say on this i would like to first start this off by saying i wish him the best that's my first thing wish him the best uh secondly to eden's question did he have to does this change his legacy it won't change his legacy i think he will forever um forever like as much as none of us none of us really want to say he is and always will be one of the greatest rappers and producers of all time always will be he is he'll always be one of my favorite rappers personally like one of my personal favorite rappers of all time but um no of course he had to change who he was and change uh certain things about himself where he presents himself um his politics his ideologies definitely to um to um, accumulate that level of wealth because like i said before he was already rich was really wealthy before this in the last like you know years and years ago but to commit this level of wealth like you're, you're now in like the the oprah bill gates level of wealth like you have to be a particular kind of person to get there it's like you're not going to get there just by doing your music and your fashion line or whatever and you're going to be doing getting that with these pro pro black as fuck politics you're not gonna get that you're not gonna get that and that's what jay-z is doing too but he's uh, i guess being a bit more strategic than kanye is not being as outlandish as kanye is because jay-z is definitely mm, there's something there that's also a bit mm, we need to look out for you we need to watch out for you but he's not just been so 
as I guess uh what's the word? Flippant with it compared to, to good old Carney Amari West. So uh time will tell for that. But um and lastly, um I don't think he will do anything. I mean I'm also he I mean, I don't know him, don't know him personally, but my logic is he could have done stuff for Chicago years ago. He can do it now, but he wasn't doing it. So why should he now be him being a billionaire stop um change that? Like he had like my this is my point. He's had the means for a very long time to, to do that. Like there's people who are less successful than him, people who make way less money than he does. No name. She is she's from Chicago. She's making damn near probably a quarter of what Kanye earns, if less than that. And she's been doing stuff with for Chicago, especially with um especially with um her recent uh ventures with No Name No Name Book Club. Like she's been doing stuff for the black community for the for Chicago. Like even Chance the Rapper, who I know we don't oh, like to mention him, but I know we don't want to mention him, but he has been he has done he's been very though. consistent in his, in his um desires to help Chicago. He's been very consistent. Even if he is I Love My Wife and he's made terrible music now, which I'm still <laughs> calling the musical equivalent of a whoopee cushion. That was his last album. Um so yeah, that, those are my thoughts on Kanye and Mario West. Um I he's just someone that I just kinda scroll past now when I see him on the timeline or I see him on the website. I was like, okay, cool. All right, Kanye's doing something. Like so even this like, okay, billionaire. All right, cool. All right. Right. That was me. Right. Honestly, that was me. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. I don't feel yeah. anything yeah. anymore. Yeah. And um, I would like I did play I did play um Jesus is born. Jesus is born. Uh, which which one is which, the gospel choir one? one? Not Jesus is king. The one of all the, the choir one. one. That, Jesus is born. Yeah, I played is that it, yeah. because you know I love because, gospel you know, music. Love gospel so music. I mean yeah. And I can't deny him. He's a great producer and arranger. I can't deny that. But um. I, I won't lie to you and say that I've definitely like rinsed it. I played it like a few times and that may be because of, you know, me being musically overwhelmed, but I know old me back in the day, if Kanye dropped, that's my life for a good two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like, mm, okay. I still haven't listened to his last two projects. Um, Kids um, Ghost. Yeah. I haven't listened to it. I honestly haven't. And um, You tweeted about Jesus is Born. Oh, I listened to one song and that was... um. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. And I told you guys the trick is to listen to reaction channels. It's not to listen to the actual projects. But um, <laughs> I only listened to... I, sorry, I haven't listened to his last two projects. I'm not interested in Kanye West's music. Oh, so yay and could see Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know those projects personally. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's the end of the episode. I am extremely hungry. Um, Same here. Same. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Um, this Zoom call was very, very hard to do. Um, but we managed to do it. We tried last time to record this, but then obviously we couldn't release that episode. Um, but we are back. We are going to try to be as <laughs> as on the mark as we were before quarantine happening and everything, techni- um, technology willing. Um, but yeah, we're back. Tuesdays, don't alert the stands. You can find us on all streaming platforms or individually. Um, Eads McKenzie, Shope Showerton, IMN Tyrell, um, and yeah, we look forward to the next episode and we hope you guys are staying safe. Please stay home yep. and peace.